There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. If you're seriously hurt in an accident, you'll want all the money you deserve. That's called justice. But there wouldn't be lawyers if justice was easy. No, justice is not easy. It's fought for and it's won. At Brown and Crouppen, we fight for justice every day. If you want some, call 222-2222. Because at Brown and Crouppen, justice is our business. Live from the Michelob Ultra Studios, KPN-TFM HD2, Collinsville, St. Louis. This is TMA All Day. I mean, what the hell is going on? The Ryan Kelly Morning After. KPN-TFM HD2, Collinsville, St. Louis. Doug, they were pumping this at my house on Saturday night. Jackson was there dancing by himself. Yeah. Jackson dances quite a bit by himself. And when they get a win like that, you know, he's just going to cut the rug all night. The Miva shuffle. What <laughs> they called? I was afraid he was going to get uh, trampled there at the end. Because he collapsed kind of at the end zone. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of people jumped on top of him. He said it hurt. I bet it did. How could it not? Worth it. Yeah. Oh, the colonel is on the line, Doug, as we start the 9 o'clock hour here on the Ryan Kelly Morning After. And he's presented by James Carlton, who is in studio. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. You can also see this, uh, the fact that we're all hot. And that's a real positive. Yeah, extremely hot. It, it almost goes without saying. Thank a lot of beefcake. Thank you. Morning, Colonel. A lot of beefcake. What's up, guys? What's the good word with you? How, how, how has it been the last 48 hours for you as the uh, proprietor of PowerMizzou.com? Easier than, you know, the, the six or seven days before, um, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, why do you hate them and pick them to lose and all that. But the truth is I, I've figured out when I'm doing predictions, I would rather pick them to lose and have them win than the other way around. Because if I pick them to lose and they win, well, everybody's happy and mm-hmm. they don't really waste a lot of energy being mad at me for being wrong. But if I pick them to win and, and they lose, then not only are people mad that they lost, they're also mad at me for getting their hopes up and being wrong. Mm. So mm. It, it's kind of a lose-lose. So perhaps I'll just pick them to lose every game. Oh, nice. And then if they win, nobody really notices. Nice. Huh. That's not a bad strategy on the part of the Colonel. Uh, Colonel, we were texting uh, around 6, 6.30 this morning. Uh, and uh, uh, the idea, and I just asked James this before we were, uh, entered the segment, Best game, I thought, uh, about, uh, since the 2013 A&M game and best win since 2014 Arkansas, which sent them to the SEC's uh, title and championship game. I'm reading your uh, 10 thoughts on a Monday morning on Power Mizzou, which is one of my favorite things to read every week. And you elaborate on that and look at some of the most unlikely endings to a Mizzou game in a good game in a good way that you can remember, uh, including Mevis beating Kansas State. Uh, the San Diego State game, Blaine Gabbert to TJ Moe. Doug, remember that NFL quarterback? Oh, yeah, yeah. They were at yeah. McGregor's San sure Diego they State. Were. And then you also win. included uh, DeAndre Golston from half court twice. That's a nice play, uh, doing it in the last uh, 
the Clarence Gilbert 2001 NCAA tournament's a nice reset. I was at that game in Greensboro. And Zaire Taylor with two game winners in a week. Lee Coward beating Kansas in the buzzer twice in a season. But, I mean, you're talking about about 30 years worth of Missouri athletics history mm-hmm. to show just how much this one stands out that only took place about 40 hours ago. Yeah, and because, I mean, we know Mevis can kick a ball 61 yards, but I don't know. The, the number of times he makes that kick, 15 20%. Maybe. I agree with you, 15%. Yeah, I think that's probably on the upside. I mean, he had had, you know, I was talking to the guys before the drive started in the press box, and I said, I think you got to get to the 40 to feel like it's, you know, reasonably makeable. A 57-yard field goal is not exactly, you know, it's still probably less than 50-50, but – to at least feel like, okay, this isn't just kind of a, a prayer. I said, I think you got to get to the 45 to let him try, which would have been a 62-63 yarder. Because at that point, I mean, even if it's a 10% chance, it's a better chance than completing a 50-yard Hail Mary or a 45-yard Hail Mary. Um, so I, I think you would have at least given him the shot from a couple yards uh, deeper than he kicked it. Um, and, and they got, you know, to the 38 and then did a, a couple of curious things um, that, that backed him up five yards. And, and Mevis was good after the game. He said, I mean, I would have preferred the 56-yarder, but, you know, I thought I had a chance. We heard the soundbite of Drinkwitz upset that the fans, what he thought, were, were booing Brady Cook. Is that how you saw it? Were they booing Cook? Were they booing Drinkwitz? What, what happened there before the game? Well, I was late. I, I was late getting into the game. Oh, for heaven's um, sakes. Later than usual. No, I was there by kickoff. Okay. But I, I had a couple things to do before the game. So I was not in the press box when they introduced starting lineups on the video board about 20 minutes before the game. I've, I've been told by a couple people there were some boos uh, when they introduced Brady Cook as the starting quarterback, mostly coming from the student section. Um, you know, in the defense of, of fans is, is always twofold. Number one, well, I wasn't booing the player. I was booing the coach. I remember that happening with Connor Bazelak. Well, no, we were booing the coach, not the player. Well, the players don't make that distinction. When the quarterback is introduced and you boo, they're not going to think, oh, well, well they're booing the, the coach for playing me. Also, they're still booing the fact that you're the one playing. So, I, you know, that, that's a hollow defense for, for me. The other one basically boils down to, well, the customer is always right. I can say whatever I want because I pay for tickets, and those guys shouldn't fire back at me. No, 100% false. I tell people on our message board all the time, you are welcome to be angry at me, to call me whatever you want, to say whatever you want to me. I am also welcome to defend myself. The fact that you spend money to be here does not mean that that you are free uh, from me coming back at you if you come at me you know so i i don't know boo if you want but during starting lineups before the game starts i i didn't like it um i appreciate i I mean again i didn't hear it but i'm gonna trust the people that told me it happened i don't know why they'd make it up um i appreciate what eli was doing He, he wasn't say he didn't say what he said for the fans or for the media or anything else 
He said it for Brady Cook in his locker room, and I promise those players appreciated it. You know, they said, there's a coach that's got my back. And I know a lot of people say, well, this is just another example of Drinkwood's talking, you know, and his mouth being ahead of the results and all that. I don't know. I, I Again, I think he has a right to say what he said. And it, like he said, it just reached a point that he said, I, I felt like I need to say this. You know, you disagree with him if you want. Um, but I, I think the uh, the arguments against what he said uh, come up pretty empty to me. Gabe, good morning. You also wrote about this morning in your 10 thoughts that the great outcome of this is although they beat a top 15 team in dramatic fashion, of course, they probably didn't play their A game. I mean, if you look at the box score on third down on offense, was pretty lousy. Yeah. Third down on defense, pretty lousy. Yep. There's a lot of room for improvement there. So if they can if they can be, I think we can all agree, I mean, Kansas State's going to be around. They're going to be in the thick of things in the Big 12, at least I would think. That quarterback, yeah. if he's healthy, I mean, he's, he's a legit player. And then that fullback slash halfback slash whatever. I mean, that guy is a mismatch all over the field. Um, But, yeah, just what are your takeaways from what are the things that Mizzou can work on heading into the Memphis game, and uh, and, and where do we go from there? Yeah, still too many penalties at bad times. Outside the Cody Schrader uh, run on – I forget what drive it was in the fourth quarter, though. Um, they, They really didn't run the ball very well. They left some points out there on a missed field goal. They made some some mistakes, delay a game, you know, um, just just kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. I said I thought Missouri probably played a B plus game, and and I said going in, I don't think you've necessarily got to play an A plus game to win this game. This isn't Georgia. I think you can win this with a, a you know probably a B effort, but only if Kansas State's a little bit off too. I I think Missouri played a B plus game. Kansas State played a B minus or C plus game. I, I think those are fair assessments. Uh, because even though Missouri made some mistakes, I, I think Kansas State made probably a few more. So, uh, again, encouraging. Uh, you, you would always rather be able to say, well, here's what we need to fix after a win. And the win does cover up a few of those mistakes. You know, I guess after that game, if you want to focus on, well, here are the things we did wrong and, and all that. I mean, the coaches will do that uh, as fans. You know, the result. You know, like, we didn't really ask Eli Drinkwitz after the game, hey, how come you called your timeout on first down on that last drive when the clock was already stopped temporarily? If they lose the game, we probably ask about that. Because they won? I don't know. I'm not really wasting a question on that because, frankly, in the end, it didn't really matter. Yeah, I also think one of the things we haven't discussed it yet on the show, but and I'm not big on the officiating unless it's, you know, a huge moment in the game, I do think there was absolutely, and I think Missouri got a break last week against Middle Tennessee State, for the record. This one went against Missouri. I thought that was pass interference down the side. I thought it was without question, by the way, pass interference. They thought, though, on the broadcast, you know which play I'm talking about? I don't. James, it was uh, it was on that final drive. Uh, uh, but either way, neither here nor there. Going back to that final drive, so many things to talk about with it, Gabe. Uh, certainly the delay of game is, is, is coaching malpractice and had the team lost, it is something that I would imagine many of your subscribers and certainly us on the show and people in St. Louis and Kansas city and throughout the state are talking about, um, even though still a 56 yard field goal, maybe he hits that 25% of the time. If we're saying 15% for a, uh, for a 61 yard field goal, 
Uh, and then the, the timeout you made reference to. Those are negatives. Fortunately, you'd like to think they learn from them. So when there's game management down the stretch in, in games that inevitably there will be this year, uh, they'll be better prepared to handle that. But that was poor. Kleinman had the same issue with the delay game on his side, too. There were three delay games uh, for, for K-State and Missouri combined at the end of that game. But with regards to Cook and the way he performed, you know, I mean, he hit the long pass and Luther Burden went off and all of that. But I thought that pass that set up the field goal, that slant over the middle, which I believe was the final play before the delay of game that, that set up the spike. I mean, that was a hell of an execution to get the ball from where they were after the punt and lead them down the field, albeit with one timeout that was most likely misspent and put them in that position. So that combined with the pass and the catch by Norfleet, uh, earlier in the game, and his ability to battle through the injury. Because I had written off their offense after seeing what they came out in the third quarter, and I know I was texting you about it, actually, mm-hmm. that, that he just wasn't going to be able to play. And it's a shame because he was playing so well, but, you know, he was he was hurt. And instead, he rose to the occasion in the fourth quarter, and in particular on that final drive. Uh, I thought that that was the signature moment from the game outside of the obvious, which was the Mevis kick. No question. I mean, I, I borrowed after the game. Whatever the rest of Brady Cook's career holds, he's always, he's going to remember that day forever, and especially that drive. I mean, he takes the field with 85 seconds left, and like everybody knows, this can be career-defining for him. This can go... Either they can fail to score and maybe lose that game in overtime, or even worse, he can turn the ball over and they can lose the ball in regulation. And we know what the narrative is. He played a really good game up until Missouri had to have it, and then he did. And the Sam Horn, you know, uh, calls are getting louder. I was odd to me in the third quarter how many fans were saying, well, he's clearly hurt. If Drinkwitz doesn't play Sam Horn here, I don't know what we're doing. Like There were a lot of Sam Horn calls in that third quarter, and which was weird to me. But none of that ended up happening. What ended up happening is this kid went out there and led Missouri to, to the game-winning points, you know, um, despite his coach making it a little bit harder in a couple instances for him. And that was, I, I think, uh, if he goes on to, you know, if Missouri wins eight or nine games this year, He's the starter next year. Like, that's the day you might end up looking back at and say, he answered every critic, and he became the player that, frankly, very, very few people thought he could become. So, uh, you know, good for Brady. Um, I I thought he had a great day. Uh, And, again, I thought it was was cool that his coach defended him. Uh, We gave him the chance in the postgame to fire back a little bit. But if you know anything about Brady Cook, He's not going to do that. He didn't really come close, but I thought he had a great quote when he said, all I've ever wanted to do is play quarterback here, and I would love it if everybody else wanted me to play quarterback here. Maybe today we'll, we'll change some of their mind. Yeah, that sure was a good quote. And last week uh, we talked about potential changes we might see. I think we did see a change at right guard, and then he got injured. And let's see, were there two injuries on the offensive line on Saturday, Cameron and, and um, Marcellus? Well, Xavier Delgado got hurt, but he missed one snap. So they played four of the five for one snap. Marcellus Johnson came in for Cameron and, and played pretty well. I think he ended up playing 30 snaps before he got hurt. I'm not sure what the injury situation with him is. We'll find out um, 
tomorrow, uh, Cameron Johnson still ended up playing a little over 50% of the snaps. I thought was better, did have a false start. Um, there were a couple kind of costly penalties on the line. I think Javon Foster had either a false start or a hold. Uh, they were, you know, maybe not as good as you want them to be, but better. Um considering the competition especially. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't remember what grade we, we gave the offensive line. I want to say like somewhere in the C-plus, B-minus range. Uh, so not as good as you'd like it to be, but better than it was the week before. And he clearly uh, made some changes at tight end. I think Norfleet saw maybe 19, 20 yeah. snaps, and they were impactful. I mean, that catch on the sideline was, a, was an elite tight end catch, and he seems to be a great target. Yeah. So I hope we see more of that down the line here because that is a mismatch nightmare. Yeah, I think Brett Norfleet is the starter at tight end. I, I posted a stat last week. Uh, before that game, if you take every player who is suited up at tight end for Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri, which is, you know, three years and two games, if you add every single one of them up, they've been almost as productive as Martin Rucker was in his senior season. Now, is that a little bit of an unfair comparison? Because D. Rucker ended up being – you know, the I would say the second best player in history at, at that position for Missouri, and he was playing with the best one. Uh, maybe an unfair comparison, but still, you're talking about like 10 guys. You would like them to equal in three and a half years what one guy did, uh, especially when he was maybe the second option at his own position. But I think Northfleet is the best weapon there. But I also think it's worth pointing out that Luther Burton's second touchdown does not happen without Tyler Stevens making a hell of a block at the 10-yard line and, and getting – I mean, it's a nice gain without it, but Luther probably doesn't score on that play without it. Gabe Yarbin with us on Mondays here on TMAs, with us on Fridays on Balloon Party. All of it's presented to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. James is in studio with us here in the Michelob Ultra Studios. He is my insurance agent, and I recommend him to our audience. Go online at carltoninsurance.net. Colonel, uh, what are you hearing regarding ticket sales uh, for this coming Saturday and your thoughts on the team carrying the momentum uh, from this past Saturday into St. Louis against Memphis. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, it's it's the old kind of uh, adage, hey, last week might have been the biggest game Eli Drinkwitz has ever coached here. Well, they just get bigger if you win. You know, this week is now, I, I touched somebody yesterday, and and I was talking about the possibility of being 5-0 and with LSU coming in here in two weeks, and they said, no, we we got to be 4-0 first. They said, hey, last week doesn't matter if we don't win this week, you know. Um, and, and Memphis is not a bad team. I, I mean, Missouri's a touchdown favorite. It was a little lower than I thought it might be. Uh, but Memphis is 3-0, and and, you know, they're – they're better than Middle Tennessee, so let's see. As far as ticket sales, uh, I would just say if you want a ticket to this game, you get a ticket to this game. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be very difficult. You know, it just, again, I understand why Missouri did what it did with this game. They needed to get St. Louis a game and, and all that. Uh, I just, Memphis is not going to draw in any of the casual fans. Memphis doesn't even bring many people to its own home games. And I think Missouri fans are, are going to – the casual Missouri fan, look, the diehards are going to every game, right? It doesn't matter who you play or where you play them. A big crowd sellouts come because you get the the casual fan on board. Well, a casual fan's not going to look and go, oh, Memphis, that's the, that's the one. That's the one I want to go to. Even if it is – you know, I think a, a casual fan is more likely to say, hey, I'll spend four hours in the car to see LSU or even South Carolina or Florida than they are, yeah, I'll drive 20 minutes to see – 
Memphis. Uh, so plenty of good seats available. Um, and I'm interested to see, you know, I know they have this agreement with the, with St. Louis to hold 10 events there over the next two years. But if they play a football game in front of 27,000, like I think they're going to, I don't really know what incentive there is for Missouri to say, hey, let's give up a home game and do this again. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be a hassle for everybody up there. And you're probably worried about parking. Um, well, I, I did ask about parking uh, mm-hmm. last week, media parking. and um, Not real sure what the situation is. <laughs> not so much there. I, no, I, I guess at some point we'll have a place to park. Oh, you'll have to. You may have to pay 30 or 40 Horseshoe Casino. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's yeah maybe, right. Maybe at the uh, airport Doubletree, but Ooh, we'll nice. see. Uh, Colonel, I saw you had a post last night regarding an update on uh, Wingo, uh, the wide receiver out of St. Louis University High School. What can you share with the audience? Well, the, the momentum has certainly swung in favor of Texas in the last couple of weeks. Um, I had heard last week, you know, hey, Texas is probably, like, if he makes a decision today, it, it probably would be Texas. Uh, Texas seems to be in the lead. He was in Austin for the uh, game against Wyoming, has reposted a lot of comments and uh, updates and stuff about him being in Austin. Uh, you know, was told yesterday by, by somebody I know down in Texas, uh, hey, I, I don't think it's done, but but I, I'm getting the feeling it's pretty close. Uh Hasn't said that publicly, and 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 I want to be clear: this is not like a, any commentary on on the Wingo family. But I, I, they're going to keep people guessing. You know, this is the third member of that family I've I've covered going through the recruiting process, and and they are they are going to you know play it pretty close to the vest publicly. Uh, I don't know if he will will do anything publicly prior to December twentieth. There's no real indication he will now. Everything in recruiting can change. It's always a little bit of a guess, but we are just hearing right now that seems more likely than not that Texas is the eventual choice, at least as of today. You think after a win like that, Drinkwitz gets on the phone Saturday night and calls some of the key recruits who might be on the fence? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Hey, hey, you know, do you see what we did? And, And especially, like, if you're talking about Ryan Wingo, Hey, did you see we put up 30 points and the wide receiver from St. Louis is averaging 108 yards a game and he looks like a superstar and a first-round NFL pick right now? Um, yeah, that's absolutely a pitch they're using. Uh, final thought, Colonel. Uh, I want to go with a macro perspective on what Saturday meant, uh, both short-term in, as in the 2023 season and also from a program standpoint because had it gone the other way just for the purpose of having the conversation like we did if they would have lost after the delay game penalty in overtime uh i can't imagine what uh, you would have been writing about and what people around the state would have been writing about people around college football would have been writing about with regards to eli drinkwitz uh which may have been unfair with its level of of how harsh it would have been because i thought that team was prepared and the offense was executed really uh in, in phenomenal fashion in the first half but the end of the game, it got away from them coaching-wise. But because they won, and now they're 3-0, and and they have a spot where they have people talking about them, both locally and nationally, because of that kick, uh, it has the opportunity to be a real building block. And as you mentioned, it doesn't matter if, if you don't win on Saturday. Uh, so from a perspective of looking around in 2023 and the SEC, perhaps looking, relatively speaking, vulnerable, comparatively speaking, to other years, and then also what it means beyond 2023, your perspective, sir. 
Yeah, I think it means for this year, it keeps the possibility of like a real momentum building season on the table. Um, said last week, I didn't think eight wins was was really very feasible if you didn't win this game. Now that they did win this game, what you're really looking at between Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, Arkansas, and Tennessee is you need to win. You need to go three and two in those games. If you go three and two in those games you're looking at an eight-win season. And I think an eight-win season does move the needle with this fan base and is clear, hey, we're, we're making progress. This thing's going in the right direction. There's a lot of reasons to believe it will work. Uh, just long-term, I think what it means is, at least for me, barring collapse, I'm, I'm done talking anything about whether Eli's the coach next year. Um, he, he would, you know, I think bare minimum, even if you go two and three in those games, you're, you're seven and five and, um, seven and five. We're we're not talking about firing a guy at seven and five. So uh, unless the wheels kind of come off, and uh, hey, if they win these next two games, they're going to be five and zero oh in the top twenty five when LSU comes to town on October seventh, and hey, can't get much better than that. So I don't really see any reason to talk about Eli on the hot seat going forward. He came into the season probably on the hottest seat in the in the conference. I think he has fallen behind uh, Sam Pittman and Clark Lee in those conversations and is is pretty secure, at least as things stand today. But we all know in the SEC they are all on one-year contracts, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I, to me, that's a, that's a dead topic at this point. All right, there he is, the Colonel. It uh, will hopefully continue with a win on Saturday against Memphis in St. Louis. Gabe DeArmond uh, with us here on the Ryan Kelly Morning After, presented to you by... All right, guys. Have a good one. All right, thanks, Gabe. Gabe Bjarman, uh, the Colonel. Doug, you know where he's going? It's hard to keep. Ryder Cup, Rome. Oh, is he really? Yeah, how about that? That Colonel. Yeah, my neighbor's football season, huh? No, I'm just teasing. It's hard to keep Gabe focused on just a team because he always wants to talk about uniforms. I know. That's tough. (laughs) Yeah. That is tough. And when we can keep him on topic after a win like this, it's nice. What do you think they'll wear on Saturday at the Dome? Bumblebees. (laughs) I would like to see the traditional Missouri uniform. Black helmet, block M. We might get that. Black jersey, gold, not yellow pants, gold pants. That's what I'd like to see. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old weirdo. I was glad, selfishly, that they weren't ranked coming out. I, I, yeah. feel, I feel like this is an easy, their saddle. easy game to overlook. And, and, and Memphis is, you know, they're, they're from, they, they could lose to Memphis. Like, I, I didn't see a scenario where they lose to South Dakota. They could lose to Memphis. And so I don't want them thinking they're too much and going in and overlooking this game because, my gosh, the, the thought of that 5-0 and hosting LSU is – is very attractive, and I'd, I'd like to see it come to fruition. And obviously, this is probably I would I don't know. You think this is tougher than at Vanderbilt right now? I mean, the way UNLV scored on Vanderbilt, I'm not too concerned about that game. I would say this is the scarier game of the last two before LSU. I would yeah. I would say that because it's it's so tough to stay up. I mean, you just had yeah. something like that. You know, if you go back to the game that Doug said was the the best one in his opinion since. Uh, you know, over the last 15 years or so, it would have been Oklahoma. If you remember, they were undefeated, top 10, close to top five, beat number one BCS rankings anyway, Oklahoma. And then they really played a poor game. Against, yeah. I think Blaine Gabbert got hurt, but in Lincoln against Nebraska. And then I think they lost to a subpar Texas Tech team, relatively speaking. So a great season just like that, gone. So this is a real test for the coaches keep the focus and to make sure they're up it's it could be tough if you're walking into how often in college football do you go from a sold out atmosphere 
And that kind of win to, I mean, that building, and it's a home game, theoretically, in St. Louis, and it could be, you know, it, you know I mean, we've, we've seen the dome empty with football. Uh, that, that you got to, you know, Memphis kind of is in the spot of having nothing to lose. Undefeated, will play the disrespect card. Ideally, Missouri can, can stay focused and, and not let this one slip away you know that it, it, it's something jackson and i were kind of joking about in commercial breaks on balloon party like they're going to win against k-state and then watch them lose against memphis it oh. would just be the absolute <laughs> torturous thing of, yeah. you know mm-hmm. um so you but what i saw from the first half brady cook and then that final quarter as well especially considering he wasn't healthy in the final quarter. God, that was so impressive. And Luther Burden, it goes without saying. Certainly still some questions. You brought up the third downs, both defensively and offensively. Not good. Offensive line at moments, running game. Um, but uh, that's that's a significant win if, if it can, even if you lose against LSU, if you can get that game and get a 2.30 or 7 p.m. start and get national attention, ideally LSU still has the one loss. Right, and you're free-rolling. You really are yeah. at, at that point because then your worst-case scenario is 5-1. and one. But it's a monster step back if you have this momentum and you lose to Memphis or Vanderbilt. What would you set that spread at right now if those two teams were playing? LSU and Missouri yeah. right now, I would say LSU minus, I bet it would be set at LSU minus, oh, I would say anywhere from seven and a half to nine. Oh, really? Okay. I was thinking seven. And then what about Georgia? They played at Athens you know, this coming weekend after Georgia their performance against South Carolina. by 21. Okay. Wow. That's just the way that it would be. Yeah. I mean, but, so that, but that, that's the thing. That's why Gabe writes, you know, and he wrote it in his column this morning. Things are never as good as they seem and they're never as bad as they seem. And gamblers who are profitable recognize when markets are falsified yeah. by prisoner of the moment thought. And that's why, you know, I keep talking about the delay a game thing because, you know, if Mevis misses that kick, which he misses, I think we agree, 80, 85 percent of the time, okay. not his fault, 61 yard kick. And K-State wins in overtime, which at that point is a coin flip. Eli Drinkwitz's job is on the line this morning throughout the state. And he's being talked about nationally for the delay game. Absolutely. And that is how close these things are. But, and that's why I was prepared on watching that game going, man, I'm going to be in a weird spot because I'm going to be defending Eli Drinkwitz. That is up until the delay game penalty. Right. Uh, For what I thought was a great game plan and execution. And he was in a tough spot because his quarterback got hurt. And they weren't the same team in the second half that they were in the first half. And that's not Eli Drinkwitz's fault. But I know had they lost that game with the delay game penalty, he's he's going to have to spring a win against take your pick of one of the teams that he's absolutely got not expected to beat in order to save his job because you can't have that happen. Fortunately, it happened. They learned from it. He knows he dodged a bullet and it never happens again. If it happens again, my God, you know, I mean, that was really bad. Um, but fortunately, it happens in a winning effort, similar to the game against Middle Tennessee State, which was really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really bad. But it may have been much better for Missouri that it happened like that because they knew they had to go to work to even hang with K-State. Yeah. You know what I mean? Had they beaten Middle Tennessee State by 50, and everybody's talking about how great they are, those are the kinds of things where you can get slipped up. Look at Texas this week. They were trailing <laughs> Wyoming. Wyoming. Look at Georgia home. this week. They were trailing 14-3 to against South Carolina. Uh, it it can happen really quickly, and it can blow up 
a season. Not as, you know, I mean, you don't expect Missouri to be at that level, but uh, it, it turns the focus. That's why I'm keeping my eye on this Memphis thing. Absolutely. No, this is not a, this is not a walkthrough, just, you know, line uh, up and we're going to get a W. I mean, the, they need to be prepared and, and not be too high on themselves, but uh, it, it's just exciting to have. It is. Know, it's so there's great a good to potential. have it going on. There's a right. good potential. We have meaningful football in October. And it's mm-hmm. the first time you can really say that because even in 2014 when they won the SEC East, they lost to Indiana. Early. Yes. Yes. In September. Yes. So that kind of, in your mind, blows that up. And even then, I recall that I remember interviewing, God, I can't remember his name. We were down in Atlanta doing the show. Uh, the day before they played Alabama, and the thought process was, yeah, even if Missouri wins, they still can't be in the national championship. You can't have a team playing for the national championship that because this was the last year before the CFP that lost to Indiana. No. You can't yeah. have that. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they beat Alabama. I remember it was Brian Jones of CBS. He was in studio with me uh, when I was down there doing the show, and he goes, yeah, you just can't have that because they had lost to Georgia as well. So they were a two-loss team going into that Alabama game. So you would have had a non- uh, SEC representation in the national championship game. How weird would that have been? But Missouri got blown off the field anyway. That Georgia game, I think the Cardinals played a playoff game that night. I went to both, and I think the Cardinals may have gotten shut out. You have such a good memory on these baseball playoff Doug, games. Doug, was it mm-hmm. against Madison Bumgarner and the Giants? <laughs> I don't know. I this had to be the worst sports day of my life. <laughs> James, great to see you. Looking I'm glad forward you got to, to enjoy it. There he is. Yes, James sir. Carlton. Take care. He sponsors, he sponsors everything, Missouri, at this point. I think you could get the uniforms you want. Well, he's just a big old kind of fan. And a fan, just like yeah, you. Just like you. I suppose Missouri will be kicking field goals now anytime they're inside, what, 65? 65 yards, might as well. I, I guess. It's going to be a hard call, if, you know, if first possession or any possession. Saturday, you got a 62-yarder. You know, the fans are going to want to see him kick it again. Tim Pulp, Ticketmaster, more than half the seats are unsold for Saturday night. That's from Brad and Boca. I bet they start to go as the week goes on. They said a thousand tickets got sold right after the Mizzou. Dave Matter, who is now working for the University Reporter, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, maybe a good, you know, six thirty kickoff. That's that's pretty optimal. You're going to go there with Herb and uh, Sweet Sweet Kai. I think we're going to get a bit pretty big squad up there. Oh, you getting a sweet ball so hard, University? No, I wouldn't go that far. But we're what certainly... a sweet cost? Do you is... think for that? <laughs> Too much. You think and... so? A couple thousand. Yeah, I just don't see it being worth it. Well, doesn't Mushmouth have that kind of mu- or oatmeal <laughs> or whatever the hell the guy's name is? Uh, yeah, but oatmeal's in Germany at the moment, oh. so it's going to be tough for him to get Can you send over some Franks? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I just plan on going with a lot of my friends, and if there's, not that, there's not a lot of, if there's a lot of seats available, it's just more room for us to dance by ourselves. No. What Other. happens, and I know the season's still a success, but let's say you beat Memphis. Let's say you beat them sound. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, three uh-huh. scores. Yeah, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. seven. Yeah. So you got that hype. You're obviously probably going to be in 23 to 20 range in terms of ranking, depending on what happened that weekend. There's right. a lot of ranked matchups going on. I'm calling on. you, Pluck. I'm calling you. And you get slaughtered by LSU. What, 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 is, what happens in Vandy? I think Vandy's – let's say you go to LSU, you're, you know, ranked 18th or 17th. Um, you know, LSU's, LSU's in the top like, five. Uh, they probably three? wouldn't. That depends on what happens. But I, there, seven. I would say yeah, yeah. eight was. I was okay, okay, fine. All right. And you get slaughtered by twenty-eight, and yeah. you look miserable. Your defense. I mean, what happens? Like, it's still a good season. You still have a champ for nine wins. I get that, but like in terms of the fan expectations, you know, how the players react, like, do you turn on the team immediately after that, or do you look at the positives? From- I don't know. I, it's so, I, I get the question. I love those kinds of questions, because here I am. I mean, I've been talking about LSU and Missouri being undefeated since the schedule came out. 
uh, hoping for that. I was hoping LSU would be undefeated, too, but I knew that was going to be tough just because their schedule's so tough to start with Florida State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, uh, although Arkansas certainly not looking like much of a force at this moment. But uh, it depends on how it goes. Is Brady Cook healthy? You know, is is LSU healthy? Um, but... You know, from my standpoint, I feel like you're free rolling, and by free rolling, I mean you don't have a whole lot to lose. Kind of like kicking a, kicking a 61 yard field goal, um, because people aren't necessarily expecting you to be in that spot. Now, you know, if it's I don't know 50 to 20, then you'd go, God, the defense—they're just not ready to hang with that class uh, of. But if you if you split the next two games and you're Six and two after Kentucky and South Carolina and Lexington and then in Columbia, Missouri. I think most people would be pretty pleased with that. Oh, I do too. You yeah. know, if Mizzou ever wins eight or nine games, most people are really happy with. Yeah, that. I didn't. Well, you still have to get there. I'm telling you, in the LSU game, you still have a path to eight or nine pretty easily. But do you like do, do the players shut down? Do the fans stop showing up? Do they start no. back after one? No. After the one, players game, won't my, shut down. No, I'm not. So. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think so. On the fans showing up, I, I mean, that's why. And I keep hammering it. And maybe I'm ad nauseum. I think I am ad nauseum with it. But the eleven o'clock thing—that's tribute to the Missouri fans that got there for that thing. I know K State had a large representation, but those eleven o'clock starts are not optimal. People were in it. Then you have that happen, and that builds momentum for the program. But furthermore, it most likely takes you out of. Uh, uh, an 11 o'clock start for, I mean, it'd be shocked if it's an 11 o'clock start for LSU. That'd be really disappointing. Uh, if Missouri's undefeated, I don't know how that happens because uh, it's not a huge weekend in the L- SEC that weekend. If you look at October 7th, I think the best game, at least what was considered the best game, and maybe it's not anymore of note, the best game was Alabama-Texas A&M. Yeah. That does not look like the best game, mm-hmm. potentially, potentially with a&M having lost to Miami and Alabama, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is there. Uh, I have a feeling USF. he'll get that figured out, though. You would just think, but I was watching the halftime show on CBS, and they're going, or maybe it was on SEC Network, either way, that Nick Saban needs to just go back. Do you know you have six foot five, 320-pound average on your offensive line? South Florida doesn't have it. Just go and run the football if you don't have a quarterback, yeah. and then let your defense do it, And which is what he did. They wound up winning 17-3 in part because of the conditions. So we might see Alabama go back to, like, 2000s football as opposed to what we've seen recently with everybody, including Nick Saban, throwing the football all over the place. Point being, the SEC may be vulnerable this year. And that doesn't mean that Missouri goes and takes it. Uh, I'm not making that leap, but it just looks like it's not what it has yeah. been. It doesn't at look the like this moment. is a super team. Right, or super anyway. teams yeah. at the moment. At the moment, things can change. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, let's see. It's nine forty-six. Uh, Jackson, uh, what's uh, what's what's going on? What's coming up on Balloon Party? What's well, the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up? Oh, Angry Beaver. Mm-hmm. Angry Gosh. Beaver was in with pizza on Friday. They uh, were right? tasty, tasty pizza. Was it? Yeah. So we'll be doing some of that. More just talking about the weekend that was in the world of sports. A lot of 
uh, Missouri football talk, a lot of Colorado football talk, as those certainly locally and on the Colorado side nationally are grabbing a lot of headlines. So, Angry Beaver, do they have the ketchup married sufficiently? <laughs> we talked about that with the gentleman from Angry Beaver when he came in with the pizza. He said yeah. people really do come in and ask if Beer Cats marries ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I assume he does. Why wouldn't he? Talk, Good gig if he can get it. Talk about Pally? Uh, no. Pally Coleslaw? No. No. State some za. Yeah. And the ketchup, Mary. And the ketchup, Mary. Uh, just really how did. big a deal is that? Do people get upset if there's only half a bottle of ketchup on their table? Here's what I get upset. It's crusty. If you, if you have a glass bottle of ketchup at your restaurant, get with the times. You know what? The squeeze bottle was invented for a reason. There should be no reason I have to shake ketchup out of a glass bottle ever again. Yeah. So you're kind of upset about it. I'm just being honest with everybody. What What do they have at the Angry Beaver? Is it glass or is that a squeeze bottle? I'm not sure. Well, you should have asked him. He was here. I should have. That's oh. on me. Now you left to put out there. Uh, my sources are telling me we're going to get old school black jersey and gold pants with a block M helmet Saturday. Oh, great. That's from KG and O-Town. He's got sources on the Missouri uniforms? <laughs> I hope so. That's the best look they have. I would bet it's going black helmet, black M, black jersey, white pants. Ah, wow. I think they retired the gray too early. The, the anthracite? anthracite? No, Dude, did didn't. you see what Tennessee wore? It was either last week Their or the week before. Is awful. The anthracite and orange. It's truly one of the worst uniforms I've ever seen in my It's life. a bad combo. Who likes that? Who oh, my God. Doug, I'm going to text you a picture of this. It this is Tennessee the uniform. It might be the worst thing I've ever seen. Because that's, that's an awkward color to try to do much with anyway. The burnt orange? Yeah. yeah. But it's theirs, and so they wear it with pride. But they ought to hang with it. Anthracite and orange. It looks so bad because, like, the shoulder pads are orange, but the jerseys and helmet are gray. And they oh. do this thinking they're going to sell a ton of no, jerseys and helmets. No, it's all about recruiting. I don't know. Yeah, you don't have recruiting. Yep, you don't. Uh, apparently not. Uh, I mean, if you're recruiting a guy because he likes a certain uniform, you got the wrong guy. That was Joe Strauss and Brian Burwell's thought when yeah. they talked about the uniforms about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. All right, I just sent you boys the picture of uh, Tennessee's uniform. Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. Yeah, they're bad. Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, Doug, let me tell you about mentality. Okay. It's online at lowtusa.com. Uh, decreased mental acuity, uh, attention span, and stress can cause focus issues on even the most simple tasks. Belly fat, feeling bloated, and a lack of lean muscle and tone that used to be easy to get rid of or maintain. These are symptoms of low testosterone. Mentality is a local health care facility specifically dedicated to helping men feel and perform at their very best. It's mentality online at low T usa.com that's mentality at low t usa.com now even if you've been tested for your testosterone levels if they didn't check for your free testosterone you were not fully tested get fully tested with the fine people at mentality it's at low t usa.com that's mentality at low t usa.com if you like this t-shirt i am wearing it is brand new the city of St. Louis flag with the TMA logo where the flirty, you like that flirty? I, I don't mind it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, would normally be TMASTLShop.com. You can get in a hoodie as well. All kinds of new t-shirts and hoodies available. 10% off at TMASTLShop.com. That's TMASTLShop.com. Jackson, what are we giving away today for our designer heating and cooling email of the day? 
Anything? Or uh, I think just championship. A, uh, a victory to, in the email of the month competition. Well, there, there it is. Uh, and uh, JB Golf Coach is leading. Morning, boys. Radio Gold today. Over the weekend, I stopped off at Marshall's and bought a not-quite-king Vera Wang comforter for $29.99. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Overpaid. <laughs> Immediately after, I went to Fergie's on Lee May Ferry to talk up my new purchase to the middle-aged barmaid that always gives me her menthol heaters when I'm hammered and out of smokes. She was impressed when I said I had a Vera Wang and commented she wanted to get it, quote, dirty when the bar closed. Oh. After wearing her out and biting on her tankers? Doug, what are tankers? I don't know. I don't want to ask. <laughs> she indeed got it dirty by catching it on fire by passing out with a lit cigarette. Oh. <laughs> In the process of putting the fire out, I smoked that little bone next to your elbow on my closet door and won't be able to pitch my 99-mile-an-hour fastball in our softball game, as I promised. Iggy, should I buy some of those icy hot patches for my wingy? What did you do? Thanks. That's from Grimy from South County. Oh, Grimy from South County. Been a while since we heard from him, and maybe it'll be a longer while next time. You don't like his his text? Well, I mean, it's all lies. Oh. <laughs> Where there is a will, there is a way, and my will is to unzip those khakis and tickle my esophagus with what they're holding back. That's mm. some naughty Niles. Well, naughty <laughs> Niles. Kevin Miller ripoff. <laughs> naughty Niles. He's new. <laughs> and finally, wow, what this is it. Name. Hey, you talk a lot of Mizzou, and people don't want to email in. Well, you're just telling lies anyway. You can't lie if we don't talk Mizzou. Ours is the type of football program where the head coach feels free to drop in at any time and berate the fans for booing the 21-year-old who he's trying to set up with his daughter. Iggy's made a lot of these milkshake bets over the years, but how many of these bets are actually honored? They never hear Iggy or Doug talking about consuming the milkshake they won or how good it tasted or where the milkshake is from. Mount Rushmore of places in St. Louis to get a milkshake. Steak and shake was always a strong play, but there's like three of them left. The one by Arena Liquor is my go-to, but only if the drive-thru is not backed up on a Hampton. (laughs) Happens often. Crown candy has got to be on there, but you know I don't get to Old North St. Louis as often as I'd like. The Fountain on Locust is a strong play, but aside from that, I'm not for sure what other places around town are still in business that make hand-dipped milkshakes. Maybe St. Louis Starter Packs can do a tournament of milkshakes. I'm sorry to hear Winning Time got canceled. I recorded it to VHS off my Sencom cable box, but I guess I had it set to the wrong HBO network because all the dialogue is dubbed in Spanish. Mm. Thus, I couldn't understand what Magic and Cookie were talking about during the those boring phone call <laughs> scenes. <laughs> those are tough. But the basketball scenes were fire. The cast was strong to quite strong, and there's some quality nudity as well. Unlike Doug, I enjoyed the topless white girl with the nice breast who had to stop banging magic because his leg cast was making her uncomfortable. Right. But, you know, some people like breast and some people don't like other breasts. Oh. Doug, that's from Buck Swope. Buck Swope Doug, with a nice little email we today. Have, we have uh, one last one that was a oh. late entry at okay. 9.54 a.m. here on Monday, September 18th, 2023. Anyong, wow, these emails suck. Thanks. That's from number one Asian oh. intern Brian Henshin. Hey, Doug, getting the show back on track. I really enjoyed it the other night. When you sprinkled some crunched up Luther Burden trips on my lower back and played Hungry Hungry Hippo with your mouth on my butt, peace, 
Brian Henschen. You think his editor knows he's writing this stuff instead of <laughs> focusing on the high school scene? Yeah, some of the best stuff he's written. We got to send. Colts beat the Texans it. yesterday. He was uh, in Houston. AR fifteen. What's going to happen with that? Okay, I'll, I'll go for the the one guy who appeared to put a little bit of work into the email, and that was a fellow by the name of Buck Swope. Yeah, I'll vote for somebody to put a little work into it too. I'm going to go with Henschen. Oh. I'm going to go with Grimy from South County. Oh, so it's wide open yeah, now. I'll go Swope. Oh, thank you, Plowsy. What are you doing? <laughs> well, it was a nice little email it's, this it's morning. It's the only one that actually tried. Right. So what? None of them tried. Tankers. <laughs> None of them tried. I'm going to vote for Grimy. What, are you changing your vote? I can't yeah, do no. that. Yeah, that's illegal. The bylaws, Doug. Yeah, the integrity. <laughs> Speaking of integrity, Jackson and I are going to go read texts from people coming up from 10 to 11, and they will not be happy about us talking about college. Uh, that is coming up from 10 to 11 on Balloon Party. It's presented to you by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. And uh, it's the Little Piddles Weekend Wrap-Up presented by Angry Beaver. Uh, I got a sound story at 1130, correct? Yes. Yes. Yep. And uh, Doug, anything else you want to tell people? Uh, I don't. Th- I think we got it covered, Tim. I think we did I it all. What, what else? We said was, it all. Really? We said it all. Iggy, anything you want to? No, I got to. Uh, I have to drive all the way out to Revis Barrick Road today to pick up some stuff for Gobble Bowl. Well, that's home. not that far. It's just down two seventy okay. to fifty five. No, I'll stop by and see my mom and dad at Jefferson Barracks. I don't get out that way often, so yeah, when I do, perfect, it's yeah, perfect reason. Beautiful day there you for go. that. Absolutely. Uh, time for us to shut it down. For the Plowhawk, for Action Jackson, for Kenneth Iggy Strode, for my brother Kevin, for Douglas Oven Vaughn, I'm Tim McCurdy. This has been the Ryan Kelly Morning After from the Michelob Ultra Studios.